I'm Katie Jensen, and this season is going to be different. We've spent a lot of time figuring out what the different parts of the brain do. From the hippocampus to the hypothalamus, the cerebral cortex to the cerebellum. It's kind of been like reading the user manual for a car without taking it out for a test drive. Is this how it's supposed to feel? This season, we're taking a closer look at what happens when you take the brain out for a spin, not long after you've gotten your license. And like the roads in Canada, sometimes conditions aren't great for driving. Youth mental health is a really pressing concern. It's bad enough that I think a lot of us aren't totally honest with our doctors because we're scared of what I call the grippy sock vacation. That's what I hear around. Even if you're not having a stay in the hospital, a grippy sock vacation, you or someone you know has had some kind of thing with their brain. By the time Canadians hit the age of 40, half of us will have experienced mental illness. It's something we absolutely need to address as a society. It's something that's actually more and more present. It's not just because we're more aware of it. I think it's because the need is rising and we have to acknowledge that and we have to act on that. Each year, one in four Canadian youth will need to access mental health services. I actually would have identified as someone who didn't know what an anxiety attack was until last year. Not because I didn't have them, but just because I didn't know that that was what was happening. Half of all mental illnesses begin by 14 years old. I wasn't this troubled child that had to scream, kick, cry, and just like throw a tantrum. But that also meant that I didn't feel anything. I think a lot of people are asking, why? Why now? Why are these percentages so high? Are these just like whiner kids out there? Like, are we all just too soft now? You know, there's all of these sort of stigma ideas against mental health that come out. Most of us think there are very real reasons that are causing this huge uptick in mental health issues. We're coming out of a pandemic where many young people experienced significant limitations to their ways of engaging with community, with their peers, with the normal things that happen over the course of development, like getting your driver's license or your first job. And they're also facing, you know, a lot of worries about things like climate change, the state of global politics, the rise in hate. And as a result, many young people are experiencing increases in their distress levels, as well as their symptoms related to mental health. I kind of thought they were symptoms of just being kind of tired of capitalism. But after the diagnosis, I started being able to trace back, oh, hey, of course I'm always stressed about punctuality. I always forget everything. I have 10 alarms on and they scare me every time they go off. When it comes to mental health, there's so much sketchy information out there. Media around mental health tends to fall into three categories. There's the often poorly researched social media clickbait, like TikTok and Instagram content, Productivity How tips. to get diagnosed. My life with ADHD. That doesn't have a ton of scientific cred, but it is entertaining and relatable, so people respond to it, myself included. Then, there are the inspirational stories of the good sick person who has triumphed over their mental health and become tremendously successful. Or the opposite, a tragic tale of an emotionally fragile person forever hindered by their own brain baggage, dragging a funeral procession of the life they could have had behind them so that you really know 
how tough mental health is. That's not us. Every episode this season follows the story of a real person living with a real mental health condition. And because most mental illness starts when we're young, that's where we're starting. Young people. Like Nicole, a person with dissociative identity disorder. So there's me, Nicole, who's talking to you now. There is a part called Kay, who I think is a child, who behaves like a child, runs around and chases Gizmo, my beautiful cat. And then there's also a part that I've called Stripe. I have a three-part system, as far as I'm aware. And because this show is still always about brains, we're going to figure out what's actually happening under the hood. What we think is happening at a basic biological level in borderline personality disorder, and this is highly oversimplified, but essentially we know that there are two basic components that create this double hit to the system. The first component is amygdala hyperreactivity. We're putting the biological and the psychological together. Experts in science and experts in lived experience. I think it's very important to hear the stories of real people because they're the one who remind us of what really matters. We want to know what it's really like to live with these conditions and what it's like to get diagnosed, to finally put a name to something that you've been struggling to articulate. You've lived your whole life with this thing and then someone tells you, oh, that's because of blank. And all of a sudden, you have to like incorporate this information into your identity. It's both very empowering, I think, and also it takes a lot of processing to go through. There's like a period you go through where you're like, I am ADHD, it's who I am. And then you find yourself again. To a person living with a condition, science can sometimes feel like it's at arm's length from day-to-day life. Picture it, a researcher gathering data in a lab worlds away from a clinic or an emergency room. How does what they do in that lab help someone in immediate crisis? Research has beautiful things and beautiful tools. And when they're used the right way, they can really propel innovation in society and really make us advance. But it needs to be human. It needs to be really tailored to where the needs are. This season is about connecting the dots between science and lived experience. When those dots are connected, it's easier to see the holes and gaps. Neuroscience as a discipline and mental health research have been done in silos. And so you really have a community of neuroscientists that are doing amazing things on understanding how the brain functions. And then you have amazing scientists looking into mental health problems, and they don't necessarily talk to each other. It's the same organ, it's the brain. That is where it's all happening. We need to give space for the creativity of researcher to figure out the way of how research can help solve societal problems. And we'll get our hands dirty with some of the most cutting-edge mental health science out there. Like, really dirty. They took stool from humans with anxiety and they transplanted it in these germ-free mice. And what they found was that these mice started to develop depressive-like behaviors or anxiety-like behaviors. But poop transplants aren't the only treatment we'll be looking into. We've made friends with a whole new group of researchers, like Dr. Joe Henderson, the director of the Margaret and Wallace McCain Center for Child, Youth, and Family Mental Health at CAMH in Toronto. You know, I think we've heard a lot about the crisis. Young people are in crisis. That's not my favorite stance. Young people have incredible talent and strengths and... 
They are facing extraordinary challenges. And we'll hear from longtime marbles, like Dr. Vivian Poupon. Stigma around mental health in the general population is still very present, and it's still a major barrier to seeking help, to have help provided to you the right way when you actually need it and not being even dismissed by your doctor as, oh, no, you're fine, or are you sure? Are you sure you're dealing with anxiety? And it's also slowing down even the research itself because there's not enough funding in mental health research and it trickles down in every aspect from the life of a person to the life of a family to the life of a doctor to researcher that are trying to find solution behind so it's a real real struggle young people are struggling with their mental health now more than ever for the sake of young people across canada we need solutions and accommodations and we need them now Disability is created by a lack of accessibility, right? You know, glasses are a really great example of how a mostly accessible tool that is highly accepted in the world, people with glasses who maybe need their prescription updated, don't get a lot of sass from people who maybe are sitting at the front of the class like, hey, can I take your seat? I can't see. In the world with ADHD and I'm sure a lot of other disabilities, there's not as much forgiveness. We're going to try and focus in on one condition per episode, but trying to separate mental health out in that way is a bit like trying to separate ingredients in a soup. You can't take a human being in like a one dimension. Things get better, but then they come back upon a stressor or a trigger and might be something different and still related. It might be, you know, you had anxiety and then it becomes depression and then you have OCD. All of that matters and not just one of it matters. So we need to change the way we do science and we need to change the way we engage with people with lived experience, whether they're patients, whether they're people affected by the disease, or the family, the caregivers who are helping them in their journey. And I think that's also a very important flavor. And while we road trip to Knowledge City, Brain Canada is doing its part by providing the gas. They're filling the tank on great projects, like that of Dr. Joe Henderson's team at CAMH. Dr. Henderson and company have been awarded a $5 million grant to create the Canadian Youth Mental Health Insight Platform, powered by RBC Future Launch. It's a place you can go to online, tell some software what's up, and through some machine learning, open data, and cutting-edge research, it'll tell you your next steps, where to go, who to talk to, what to do. All of it is co-designed with young people. From the proposal, from the idea, the methodology, all the way through to, well, where would we put this and how would young people find it is co-designed with youth who have experience of mental health related concerns, trying to access service, substance use concerns, all of these different kinds of things, and family members as well. Say you think you might have ADHD or anxiety or something else altogether. You'll just sit down at your computer and tell the platform some information and using that, It'll help you find the services you need. How they identify culturally or other aspects of identity. What are their concerns? What have they already tried? What are their goals? What do they hope to be accomplished? And then it would return to them some options that other young people, that based on data from other young people, we know would be better fits than just a generic, like, here's what's in your community, go for it. This would actually be tailored to that young person. This platform is the first of its kind in Canada. 
It's not the only new way of working with mental health that we're exploring, but it is one that we think is pretty cool. One last thing to pack before we hit the road. This season, we're talking to people with real mental illness. These are real people sharing their personal stories, warts and all. While you're listening to this season, you might feel some uncomfortable emotions. You might feel angry, frustrated, or sad. You might get defensive and say to yourself, this doesn't sound like the people I know with anxiety or depression or ADHD. That's okay. When it comes to mental health research, there are questions we still don't have the answers to. Lots of them. And you'll hear that reflected in the season. You don't have to listen to these episodes in order. Just pick any of the six that you're the most interested in. Mental health is immaterial, but it's very, very material. It's still part of a body. And, and yes, it's the sum of a lot of things, including the society we live and our emotions. But where do they come from? All this integration happens, you know, how we feel, how we... Um, our mood, it all comes from our brain. Everything we feel, everything we do, everything we are, it starts from the brain. I'm Katie Jensen, and this is season three of Playing With Marbles, in partnership with Brain Canada. This series is being produced with support from RBC Future Launch.